Now, I know I've got a word from heaven. God spoke to me this week, and he said, lift up your voice like a trumpet. He said, I'm positioning you as a watchman on the wall, and I want you to shout out what I'm declaring and what I'm doing in this hour. So I want you to go with me again to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. We started a series last week titled Navigating the Times. I'm not trying to do something cute. I'm not trying to fit in with the culture. I'm trying to be obedient to what God is saying. I've never come to this platform seriously. I've never, I don't care if it's here, I don't care if it's down there in a back room without really seeking the face of God and the voice of God of what God wants to speak in the hour. Sometimes I never plan things to turn out to be a series, but they do. And then there's times you just know you're going to walk into it, and I'm going to be doing this for several weeks. And then there's times you know I'm going to take this to several different places. But I'm here to tell you that God's got a plan to get us through the difficult times that we're in. So I'm not going to repeat all of last week, but I want to read from the book of Revelation. Notice it's Revelation, not Revelations. It's the unfolding of Jesus and his plan in the earth. And in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 18, Jesus speaking as he's appeared to John, who has been a follower of his. Let me just set the stage just to remind you again. John is on the Isle of Patmos. John has been one of those that have walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles. He saw the many things. He watched him upon that cross. He saw all of these things happen. They've tried to kill him. He come under heavy persecution. They've tried to kill him. They tried to poison him. When they couldn't poison him, shut him up. When they couldn't beat him and shut him up, they decided we'll boil boil him in oil. And when they couldn't kill him, by putting him in a, in a cauldron of hot oil. The only way they could shut him up was to isolate him away from the people and put him on an island called Patmos that was a place for deserters. It was a place for political, I guess you could say, those that were coming against the government of that day, doing everything they could to shut them up. But notice something the Bible says. John was on the, in the spirit on the Lord's day. Don't let your trouble don't let me don't let your trouble tell you that you cannot be in the spirit of God because you're in trouble. Don't let the difficult time tell you that this you must be out of the will of God or you wouldn't be here. John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and Jesus appeared to him, and he began to say to him, I am. Everybody say, I am. So in verse 18, he said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of of Hades, or hell and death. Write these things which you have seen and the things which are, and the things which will take place hereafter. Last week I told you, I believe one of the keys that God gave us in navigating difficult times is you better have your focus and be totally devoted to Jesus in this hour. 
I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about just showing up in church because there's people sitting here this morning. You've showed up for church and you come faithfully, but your heart and your life is not where it needs to be in the Lord. I'm not condemning you. I'm not passing judgment on you. I'm just being real with you. Church alone showing up won't get you through the difficult time, but it'll sure help. Amen. The word navigate just simply means to direct a way that a ship or a plane will travel, especially in difficult times or circumstances by using maps and stars and instruments and such as that. It just means a path to be able to navigate some of the difficult things. If you haven't figured this out, our world is in some very difficult times. We're all watching what is taking place in Israel, wondering what the next step is going to be. Will they invade? Will they do the ground invasion now? Will they pursue? And while they're doing that, we're hearing the threats of Iran. We're hearing the threats of Russia. We're hearing the threats of China, not only against Israel, but against our own nation. We've heard the threats that even in our own nation that there would be copycat issues going on. My saying these things isn't to scare you, but my, thing, my saying these things is to make you aware. I heard somebody speaking yesterday while I was traveling a bit, and they were talking about Israel. Israel is one of the most secure, seemingly secure, sophisticated nations in the world with everything they have to protect themselves. But in a moment, at the first of the month, a breach happened. A wall opened up. These guys came over. They came through. They came in in different ways. That all the sophistication they had, all the technology that they had for some reason or another didn't go off. But I heard somebody say it like this. If they would have just had some watchmen on the wall that would have lifted up their voice, somebody to have spoke, then that breach would have never been able to happen. Now, I don't know. I know that's a, a lot of territory to cover. But at one time, ancient Israel was covered. You would hear it by soldiers that would stand along the wall, and if there was an approaching enemy coming, they would lift up their voice so that the people inside could prepare themselves and take cover and not be overtaken. See, we are in difficult times. Not only in the world, we're in difficult times right here in our own nation. Our political system is a mess. You're watching everything going on in Congress. It's all a mess from the White House all the way through. It's an absolute, really, it's just an absolute circus. What, what's going on among the political realms that we're in right now? And believe it or not, it's impacting us. It's having an effect upon every one of us. Raging fear and rage and everything else under the sun. Those things are happening. These are real times that we're in. The Apostle Paul said that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. They're here. But these aren't only the bad times and the difficulties that we might be facing. There may be somebody here today. You've lost your job. 
Maybe your family is in an uproar. Maybe your child last night got out and got themselves in trouble and wound up in jail or, or whatever. Maybe your young daughter come in and told you she was pregnant. See, all of these things are difficult times that bring a lot of chaos to us. Maybe you just went to the doctor and they gave you a report and told you that you only have months, if not uh, just short time, but to live. It doesn't just affect you. It affected your whole family. There's chaos there. There's, there's trouble. There's difficult times that we've got to navigate through. I've been with a lot of families in a lot of difficulties with them, with the family. They used to be here. Matter of fact, they, they moved away from here, Cliff and Stacy, with their children. I think their son and daughter-in-law had lost two babies, being born, stillborn. You talk about a difficult time for a family, and you got all the questions under the sun of what is going to happen. See, there's many things that can be difficult times beyond what we're watching on the news. Some of you may have just had a birthday and you turned a little bit older than you thought you wanted to be. Believe me, that's a difficult time. Maybe you find out that your hair went from black to gray overnight or maybe you woke up and you realized you didn't have any hair. I want to tell you something. Those are difficult times. When you get up and you can't run like you used to, your bones ache and, and you got all of these issues. Your, your six pack went to a keg and your chest fell to the ground. And I'm telling you, this is troubling times. Believe me, it is. But yet even the scripture tells us, the scripture tells us that difficult times are going to come. It's been spoke over and over and over. God said, I'm going to shake the heavens and I'm going to shake the earth one more good time. I don't know what that's going to look like. But the Bible says that everything, that's, everything that can be shaken is going to be shaken. That lets me know you're going to be shaken. And the only thing that's going to remain is what is in him. And sometimes if God is shaking us, he's trying to let you realize that there are some things in you, around you, that are not of him, and he's trying to get you in a better place. So difficult times are coming. When Jesus appeared to John, he said, John, I want you to write about things that were. Write about those things that you have seen. But I want you to write about where you are. He's in the midst of persecution. I want you to write about the things which are. But then he turns around and he said, John, I want you to write about things that are yet to come. And I don't know if you've read through the book of Revelation, but it can have you shaking in your boots as it talks about things that are to come upon this earth. And I'm willing and believing that the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the church, is going to be taken out before any of this stuff comes upon the earth. But you better make sure you are ready. The reason he said to John to write, I believe, was absolutely for this. He said because he wants the church to know and to be ready. Not just the church. I believe he wants everybody to be ready. Listen to me, church. One day this Bible says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I might as well tell all of you this right now. I've told you before, but maybe somebody didn't hear. Everybody in this room is going to make heaven. I believe it with all my heart. You are going to go to heaven. But I'm also going to say this. Not everybody in this room is going to stay. 
because you're going to go there and you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible said the books are going to be open. And he's going to see if your name has been written in the book of life and been sealed by the blood of the Lamb. I've got to ask you, is your name in that book this morning? Are you going to be one that's going to show up in heaven and stay before him? Are you going to be one that's going to exit? He doesn't want anybody to miss out. And nobody will ever be able to stand in the presence of Almighty God and say, God, you got to excuse me. I didn't know. Now, I've done that with a few police officers when they stopped me for speeding, nothing else, speeding. Uh, Did you know you're in a 35 zone? No, not really. It really didn't hold water then. (laughs) But it probably won't when you get to heaven because he said, I want everybody to know. Here's the second reason I believe I brought this out to you last week. He is establishing a truth, something for you and I to build our lives upon. Here's the third reason, so that you and I will know or be able to see his sovereignty and his faithfulness. I love every one of these songs that we brought out this morning. They had no clue what I'm preaching on. But here's my second key to you for this time of navigating the times. Listen, you must know and stand firm on the word of God. Please hear me. I'm not just talking about hearing somebody preach. I was getting my hair cut yesterday. The young man that cuts my hair happens to be Catholic. When I sit down in the chair, I said, I got a question for you. Uh, I said, I'm not not after anything. I just don't know. Uh, I said, as a Catholic, are you taught about the coming of Jesus? Are you guys taught? And and his words went to me, well, you, you know, I heard some of that when I was in Sunday school. Now, I'm not talking about a kid. I'm talking about a young man leading a business, probably in, his, probably in his upper 40s that's leading a business, goes to church in his mind faithfully every week, but doesn't know. Do you know anything about the things that are come? Evidently, it's not being taught. So God wants us to know what is going on. You and I have got to know the word of the Lord, and stand firmly upon it. You know, we're navigating the times. It's kind of like taking a trip on an airplane. Recently, me and Pastor Chad went to, went to Dallas, and we flew there, and I noticed something that happens every time I get on the plane. You get in, and you get seated, and few moments, but they close the door after everybody rushing everybody in, get, making sure everything is in its place. The, you know, the doors up, bins up above you are full and they're closed and the door is shut. And then here comes the little stewardess or the, I guess you're the steward, whoever it would be. She steps out and goes through this spiel every time. And she has her little seatbelt dewey. And she says, ladies and gentlemen, uh, if you'll give me your attention for the next few moments, now they've, now they've got it coming on a recorder and she's just standing there doing her thing. And they go through this, like buckle up, you know, like I want to show you, you lift it up, put this end in. I'm thinking, 
I've been doing this for a long time. Everybody in the world knows how to buckle up. But what I'm really paying attention to is not her. I'm paying attention to the countless numbers on the plane that are giving no attention to her. And the reason that she's going through that is to protect us in case of a sudden change of atmosphere or the plane drops from 30,000 to 20,000 in a moment. I feel like it's happened to me several times, but it probably just a bump. But nobody's paying attention. We got people on the plane that's asleep. Most people are on their device. They're on their iPad. They're on their phone. They're reading a book and paying no attention to the one that's trying to help them get through the situation. You have to understand something. First of all, on the plane, the pilot isn't one that set the course of the destination. The destination was set before we ever got there. We're going to go to Dallas. The pilot comes on because he's got the responsibility to get us there. Now, I'm not one of these experts. I can, Charlie will straighten me out later if I get this wrong, but no doubt he's already been given a course and a route of which this plane is to fly. He's probably already checked the, uh, with some other pilots, maybe through some computers or something, what the air looks like. Is there any storms in the area? Are we going to be able to go around them? Are we going to go through them? We going to go under them. We're going over them. How are we going to do this? This has all been, you've got somebody that's going to get you there navigating the way for you. The person in the back, she's there. She's got a responsibility because she's trying to keep you safe, but at the same time, she's trying to keep you calm in the unlikely, I always love it, just in the unlikely event that we have to do a water landing under your seat is a life jacket. Now, nobody ever pulls it out, but she's put it up and she's put it on. And I'm saying this to you, they're there to protect us and to protect you and to make sure that we get to our destination as safely as we can, but not only safely, but as peaceful as we can get there. Because it's not an issue of whether a storm will show up in life. It's not an issue of whether a difficulty will come. It's only a matter of when they come. Are you prepared for what it will bring and how to get through it or get around it? So you're going to have to be fastened. You're going to have to be locked in to the word of God. I'm talking about the word, this thing we call the B-I-B-L-E. You have to understand this. Well, pastor, I got a word. I got a prophetic word. Listen, especially in the day that we're in, When there are so many prophetic words, they're flying everywhere. Everybody's got a prophetic word. Everybody's got something to bring. I get them sent to me all the time. I know you do too. And I hear some of you say, have you heard so-and-so? Have you heard so What are you basing that word upon? Because here's what the Bible says. I got, as a watchman, I got to declare some, I don't care who's speaking it. If it doesn't find its basis along this book, you are not going to see it fulfilled. Matter of fact, that's why some of you are struggling. You've been living with a prophecy given to you 30 years ago. You've never seen come to pass. Well, you know, Pastor Val said this. 
Oh, so your confidence is on Pastor Val and not the word of God. The prophecy, whether it be somebody coming in and prophesying or somebody taking a book and they have to work together or it will not stand. I'm shouting at you because the scripture says in the last days there are many voices and many spirits. And he said, try the spirit to see where they come from. Peter said in 1 Peter 1.19, we have a more sure, confirmed word of prophecy. Now don't miss that. What the word prophecy meant, it means that which is written, whereunto you do well, that you take heed as unto light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. We got a more sure word. I don't know. I've, had, I've heard a lot of words over the last year. Me and Pastor talk this stuff all the time. And I love these guys. I love, there's nobody I really don't distrust, but I said, I'm questioning some of them. When you're throwing dates and you're throwing this and you're saying this is going to die and this is going to happen. And, and church, instead of us mourning over the fact that they're saying people are going to die, it's almost like we're rejoicing. And we ought to be bowing low and say, God, is it me? Because if he's going to judge them, he's got to bring that judgment all the way through. Or he's a murderer. Hello? So we got to know where we're standing on. Listen, I'm lifting up my voice because the Lord spoke to me to do it. He said in 2 Timothy 3.16, listen, as Paul's talking to young Timothy in the difficult times, he said, Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. In other words, it's God breathed and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof or instruction, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes the reason we're not going through, we just don't have what it takes. You don't, you're not, maybe we're not equipped as much as we think we are. You know, I Hyundai Shondai once in a while, but the real test doesn't come when everything is good. The real test comes when I'm going through. Are you okay? This is going to get better. Hang on, Okay. I know it's tough, but I got to shout at you because I got to get your attention. You're like the people on the plane. Some of you have gone to sleep. You've heard it so much you don't want to hear it no more. And a generation hasn't heard it at all because we quit saying it. Psalms 19, I love. Psalms 119, it's right in the middle of the Bible. It's almost the middle chapter of the whole Bible, I actually think Psalms 117 is, but 118 and 119 are right together. So we're right in the middle of it. And if you'll read this, I'm not going to read the whole things, but it's a powerful chapter of the psalmist talking about his confidence and his trust in the word. L listen to what he says. Lord, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Well, if you really wanted to find the word sin there, it would actually say something like this. Your word have I hid, have I treasured in my heart, have I held on to it so that I don't miss the mark. He said in the same chapter, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to his word. David went on to say through there, I don't have time to read every verse, but I'm just going to read, shout it out like this. Your word is my strength. Your word is my counselor. Your word has become my hope. Your word is my peace. Your word is understanding. Oh, I love this one. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Think about this for a moment. His word is a lamp. If we turned all the lights off in this place, there's enough sunlight, I believe, popping through the cracks of the door, you would be able to navigate. But I know some of you couldn't because you don't see hardly in front of your face no bad feeling there, just saying the way it is. So what do you do with the lamp? You turn it on. What does it do? It begins to illuminate around you. Sometimes the lamp is enough to let you know, am I in the place I need to be? He said, it's a lamp to my feet. What am I standing on? Where am I at? Am I on the road? Am I in the ditch? Am I on the edge of the cliff? Where am I? But he said, it's a light to my path. It shines enough in front of me to keep me in a safe place, to keep me on the path of the Lord. Your word, God, it's a shield. I love this one. He said, not only is it a shield, it's a hiding place. I can go in and find protection. Listen to this one. It makes me wiser than my enemies. If I'd pay attention to his word. Matter of fact, the psalmist went in the same chapter. He said this, your word, God, is ever settled in heaven. And your faithfulness endures to all generations. In other words, just like he was with Moses, he'll be with you. Just like he was with Abraham, he'll be with you. Just like he showed David, he'll be with you. To all generations, you can count on his word. It's been around a lot, a lot longer than you have and been proven over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It's one of the, still one of the top bestsellers. It gives us wisdom. It gives us direction. Matter of fact, people are making millions of dollars off of the word of God, putting their own name on it because they learned that that word will, not, will make you successful and cause you to be victorious if you follow it. But they'll never give credit to Jesus for it. But he said his word is ever settled. John in the book of Matthew, when Jesus was with his disciples on the mount, on the mount uh, there where the Beatitudes were given, Jesus said this, I didn't come to do away with the law, I come to fulfill it. And he goes on to say something like this, not one jot or tittle, and that speaks of that which is written, one little mark, because a lot of the, uh, of the alphabet of that time would make picture words. And he would say something like this, not one jot or tittle will pass away. Heaven and earth will leave before my word does. So if something is that sure, why are you and I not hanging on to it? Why don't we trust it? Matter of fact, we were, I, I think I told you about this last week and the last couple of weeks after being at Gateway with uh, Brother Morris's 
uh, brother, Pastor Morris and his family, and he was sharing the testimony of his son, just had this heart and this desire uh, for business. So there's a very, a very successful businessman in the church, and he said, would you mentor my young son? He's just a young man, just a young teenager. Will you mentor him? He said, yes, I will, under one condition. If he will assure me that he will remember and he will quote the scriptures that I give him. That was the prerequisite of it all. And Brother Moore said, I assure you he will. And that's the first thing that he started him out on. You start getting in that book and start remembering the word of the Lord. Start remembering. I think he was having to remember 30 or 40 scriptures every week. Matter of fact, Brother Moore said when they would go on vacation, they would say, hey, James, why don't you quote us some of the word? And he said for 20, 30 minutes, all he did was set one verse right after another, right after another, that he, till they said, that's enough. A young man at a very young age became a very successful businessman and still is today. As Brother Morris talked about some of the things that they have done, that they have the accomplishments that he has done because of what God had done in his life because of the word of the Lord. You'll trust everything else. Some of us have more confidence in that bottle of pills we got that we take every morning than we do the word of God. If I don't take it, we get in a panic. But if the word of God doesn't rise up in your heart... Oh, I forgot my devotion. Hello. It's our value. Are you okay? Look at your name and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. But I'm telling you, it's God's plan. God's revealing himself. He said, I want you to tell him about things that were, things that are, and things that are going to come. The whole book, from Genesis to Revelation. Now, I'm going to take you through the book of, book of Genesis again. Every time I go into this book, I find something new. I want you to go with me to Genesis 1. Because even from the very beginning of creation, God gave Adam or gave to man the plan that would be needed to navigate everything that would come his way. And it's all found in Genesis 1 if you don't find anything else. You may hear it like you've never heard it before because this is all fresh to me, that Holy Spirit downloaded into my heart. May I challenge us with the thought? Paul said in the book of Ephesians, Christ died or we were chosen him before the foundation of the earth. Just a thought for you. So did man fall in the, in the God not knowing mistake or did God in all of his wisdom and knowing man knew that man was going to fall and in creation he created in such a way that if man would see it, he would be able to navigate everything that would come. And I'm confident that Genesis was probably declared after the fall of man. Now, I know there's, I've got scholars in here that, might, that Genesis 1, 1, 2, the gap, and all of this stuff. Just hang on with me. Maybe you'll see something fresh. 
So in the beginning, the Bible says, God created the heaven and the earth. Can we say that? Matter of fact, can we? Let, let's just read this together. I had you do this with me. And we're going to do the first two verses. Y'all read this with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Wait a minute. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. Where did that darkness come from if God is light? Just think with me for a moment, okay? We're in the beginning, so in the beginning, God created. God called everything into existence. Go to the next verse for me. If you don't mind, then let's read this together. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. There's seven principles God gave man to live by, and it was all found in creation, in some of the mystery of God unfolding by his spirit to his people. The first thing when it talks about there being light what is he talking about? Because he's not talking about the sun, moon, and stars. They don't come to the fourth day. So what was God unfolding? God was unfolding himself, his revelation, and his desire that he's always intended for mankind. Used to, you could go to the grocery. They don't do it anymore like this. But you would go to the grocery, and as you get into the checkout counter, there was a magazine rack there that you could buy just about every magazine under the sun. And there was a lot of them were house, uh, were, were magazines about building a new home. If you want, we bought several of those things and we would take them home and we would dream and we would pick out our home. There was always a picture. I've yet to see a contractor take his, his backhoe, just go into the field and he just starts digging, hoping it's going to come out to something. No, he's already got a picture laid out of what creation is going to look like. Matter of fact, when God said, let there be, it's already done. Because he's beginning, he's end, and he's always in between. It's already done. But I also believe, I also believe when he said it was light, I believe he said, I'm putting my redemptive plan into motion right now. Why? Because Jesus is that light. John 1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then it goes on to say, and Jesus was the light. Or he's the light of life. So I'm confident from Genesis 1, God is saying this to us. I've already put my redemptive plan in place that if you fall, if you get a hold of Jesus, you'll be able to get through these difficult times. All right, let's go to day two. I don't have time to read every verse. can't quote every one of them. So let me just tell you what happened. On day two, started out in... Verse 16, God said, let there be a firmament. Oh, let me back up to verse 1 again, or, or to, to the first day. Because God made a separation and a distinction between light and darkness in the first day. And believe me, church, there is a distinction. There's a distinction between what is God and what is not God. Here's day two. 
So then God said, let there be a ferment in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. So what did he do in there for time's sake? He divided the heaven in a sense from the earth. Very much the same, but very much different. He divided a heavenly realm from an earthly realm. So what is the principle in there? I believe it's the principle that in creation, God gave man a free will. That you can live your life any way you want to live it. That's how much God values freedom. You can make. We live by decisions. So what did God do? I believe it was a point that God was saying this. You'll either live by the rule of heaven or you'll live by the rule of the earth. And whichever you choose is what it will produce. Everybody in this room, you make decisions every day. You're going to make one in a moment. Some of you are making one right now. I wish he would shut up. Some of you are making a decision. Can we get on out of here? Some of you are making a decision. Some of us have a rough time with decisions. In a few moments, my family will fill my office. Where are we going to eat? We do this every week. You choose. I don't want to go there. Wherever you say, all right, let's go to uh, McDonald's. No, I don't want to go to McDonald's. My granddaughter Lucy will turn six on Halloween day. So they celebrated her party a little bit, our birthday a little bit yesterday with the party. She came by our house because we were with the pillars last evening. They went swimming. That's why we weren't with them. And uh, so I said, Lucy, we gave her a present. I said, Lucy, next week I want to take you to eat for your birthday. We'll celebrate it really big. And I'm going to let you pick, Lucy, where you want to go. Guess where she wants to go? McDonald's. That's where she's heading. Okay, Lucy, that's where we're going to go. Believe it or not, every day you make a decision whether you're going to live for God or whether you don't. Even through the temptation, you have to make a decision. I'm going to stand or I'm going to run. We live by decisions. Everything that we do, it's a principle of the kingdom. I will have to make a decision. I'm going to choose to follow God. I'm going to trust his word or I'm going to trust this earth system. And some of us have more confidence in this earth system than we do the system of heaven. Here's the third thing that happened on the third day. Bible tells us in Genesis, for you guys that are taking notes, it starts at verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. And he called the dry land, he made the earth. And he put the seas and everything in its place. And he said, it's good. Now listen to this. This is very important. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree whose yield, whose yield, who yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed in itself on the earth, and so it was. Here's the principle that God gave to man. You want to change the earth? It's within you to do it. You carry the very nature and the seed of God. If we want to change things, it's on the inside of us. Problem being, whether you're righteous or unrighteous is what are you made out of because you're only producing after your kind. May I challenge you to tell you if your home is in a mess, don't point at somebody else. You're only producing what's on the inside of you. You're a mess. Read the book. He said we produce after our kind. 
If our earth is in a mess, if our world is in a mess, our community is in a mess, I can blame whoever I want. If the power of God is within me, righteousness is in me, and I can carry it as a seed and plant that, then righteousness ought to be springing up. God said, you can change this wicked world. You have it in you. You've got seed in you. You've got the word of God that you can take it and sow it. Y'all got real excited about that one. But they're all principles that were found in creation. Oh, day four, I love this one. Now we get to the sun, the moon, and stars. He said, let the firmaments of the heaven that divide the day from the night, let them be for, listen to this, verse 14, let them be for signs and seasons for days and for years. Most of us, when we read that, me included, we always think about this 24-hour clock that we operate in. But you have to think about it. They didn't have a Rolex back there. And they didn't have a digital clock on their, on their coffee table or their bed night table next to the bed. How did they navigate? How did they function? God said, I put the sun, the moon, and the stars. It was all there. But notice the first thing he said was for signs. I found that very interesting. Remember, if I, what I'm sharing to you can be any measure of the gospel, which I believe it is as the Lord unfolded to me, God had already knew that man was going to fall. So what was the signs all about? The signs was to constantly be pointing us to come back to God. Matter of fact, did you under, do you know for Israel that when they come out and got to Sinai, God established three feast seasons for them made up of seven different feasts that they knew at a certain time of the year? How would they have known that unless they had followed the signs, the sign of the moon, the sign of the, uh, of the stars, the sign uh, uh, of even what the sun would do because it would depict the days, the years, and, and such as that. God sent these signs to bring us to him see we get all excited about everything and we should but it isn't call us run we ought to be all get, instead of screaming revivals here it ought to be bringing us to God so that revival is in us and everywhere we go revival is working I do believe it's here I'm seeing incredible things happening everywhere the testimonies are still coming but then he said, I give it to you for, for signs, for seasons. You haven't figured this out. He wasn't talking about just the four seasons that we're in. They're coming, and every season brings something. You're going to go through seasons in your life. God was telling them that. You're going to go through things in your life. I, I remember when me and Diane will celebrate, celebrated 47 years of marriage and this past August and when we were in our dating years, this is the honest truth, we spent a lot of time so-called parking. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But this is the honest truth. A lot of times we were at the park parking, sharing vision that we had in our hearts of things that we wanted to do for God. And we talked about missions and we talked about uh, you know, taking the, we talked about orphanages and having children. We even said, I even said something back to, man, we need like 10 or 12 kids. Oh God, what was wrong with me? 
We talked that stuff back there. And when we got grown and we married and we had children, we started pastoring. Then babies come along. And I'm going and she's at home with babies. I'm running here and there preaching and I was getting called to do this and do that, but she's got, and I remember one time saying, you go everywhere. You get to go, and, but it's a season. They're not always going to be small. We're getting ready to get our Sadie in just a couple of weeks. That's Jared and, and uh, Bailey's new one that's coming here toward the middle, toward the end of, of uh, November. Sadie Lee, can't wait. We're going to get to hang out with her. But I've noticed something now. My beautiful granddaughter, 14, going to high school. We used to take naps together. She'd be up here. I'd pat that little butt. And we would lay on the, watch TV. And she would, now, she don't want to do that. It's a season. It's a moment. There's times that are going to come upon the earth. Here's another thing he said it's for times. See, the reality of that is we don't understand because sometimes we think about a day. A day in the Lord is it's a thousand years. And here's a day or here's a time that God said, This is my time or this is my day. And the only time that you're really promised is what you're walking in right now. So you and I better make the best of our investment. Or what God has given us to work with is my time. And the season that I'm, I'm in, we've entered into a new season. Our nest emptied. We were, walk, we were going yesterday. She said, we need to get a hobby together. Seriously. She's serious. Why? Because the season changed. And it'll change even more. Because that's the way life is. But you have to understand, listen, that part of it, God is saying, He gave them, listen, He gave the seasons, the stars, the moon, the time to rule. Here's the principle. You're going to have to learn to follow leadership whether you like it or not. And that's something in our democracy, I have a right to do it my way. But he gave it to lead us, to guide us into his ways. I got to land this jet. Worship team is coming. Here's the fifth day. I'm not going to read the verse. But on the fifth day was the creatures. The fish filled the sea. The birds filled the air. The creeping things begin to creep on the earth. Man, I got thank God, what is that all about? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, he blessed the male and the female, and he blessed them and told them to be fruitful and multiply. And then he says these words to them, and have dominion over all the earth. Let's talk about that for just a moment. And my time is up. Dominion just simply means to have control. You control things. When he called that 
when he called, put Adam in the garden, he'd put all the animals there. He let Adam call them. Adam, you take charge of this. You can, you name them. They answered. They responded to his call and who he said they were. You remember when Jesus went into the wilderness, led by the Spirit? Matthew and Luke's gospel says it the same way, but Mark's gospel says this. He was led into the wilderness with the wild beast. It's the only thing Mark said about it. As though the wild beast were things that were there to work against Jesus. That would be there. Boy, this is going to be a good one. Church, we need to get dominion of our own selves. We need to get dominion of our own emotions. Our present world of of reality, TV, and Facebook, and everything. We got this idea. I can say what I want, speak what I want, do it. Any, and if I want to get mad, I can get mad and everybody's just going to like it. You don't realize that if you don't get control of your own emotions, you're only creating more chaos. Jesus spoke in Luke chapter 21 and verse 19 in the midst. He said, in the last days, these things are going to happen. He said, they're going to hate you. They're not going to like you. They're going to throw you in prison. They're going to beat you. But then he says this, in your patience. And the word patience there would mean literally say, in your endurance. As you're going through this, possess. Get control of your soul. Don't be moved by everything that comes along. Don't get fearful every time somebody says something. Because you're only creating more chaos. It's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. If they'd come on the news and tell us we got a wintry blast coming in uh, on Tuesday and it's going to turn sub-zero and we've got a foot of snow, I promise you there won't be enough, there won't be enough milk in Cave Girardo for us. And we haven't even seen the reality. We just got a report. And we let fear. We've got to have dominion. He's talking to the church. Get a grip. Get a hold of yourself. Possess your souls. Move so much. I'm preaching to me. Not just you. I'm preaching to me. He said, let them have dominion. Lastly, he created male Man, and he created him male and female. Genesis 1, 26 through the rest of it. We can't do this without each other. He created us to work together in harmony, in relationship. When Adam was alone, he said, it's not good. God said, I will make a help meet somebody compatible with him to help fulfill my purpose. We've got to work this thing out together. And yet the enemy keeps trying to divide us more and more and more. You'd be surprised how much the church is split over political party, political ideas. 
how we're going to do it. We're going to do this or we're going to do that. Instead of realizing God is called. Church, if the earth is going to be shaken, and I believe this, this is why we're doing what we're doing. I believe we're going to need each other like we've never needed each other before. And I don't mean just to give somebody something, sometime for encouragement, sometimes for strength. You know, Miss Marilyn isn't here. Adam is here, him and Bethany, and his dad passed away six, seven, eight months ago. We're there, there with them. There's nothing anybody could say. What are we going to do? All we could do was be there. All we could say to Miss Marilyn, to Adam, to the rest of the family, we love you. Why, Charlie was going through it with his family, with mom. We didn't know the outcome. I'm thankful he's sitting here with us, but we didn't know what that outcome could be. All we could do is just, I'm here. When he was laying in the hospital numbers of times, go to the hospital and just be there. We didn't know, we couldn't do anything. But there's strength in just being there. But the enemy wants to keep us so messed up over the stupidest of stuff. Stuff that really don't matter at the end of the day. But realizing that we need one another. Six days created us to walk in relationship and the last day is found in Genesis 2.2 it's It's interesting to me Genesis 2.2 says and God ceased from his labor and he called it the seventh day and he rested from all of his work and yet he made the seventh day a part of creation what was the seventh day about? God said, I'm done. I've completed it. And he saw that everything he made was very good. It will succeed if they'll follow my pattern. But here's where it really is. Seventh day is you put in our total confidence, our faith, and rest in what he just established. It's putting my confidence and my faith in this right here. That was the seventh day. It's where faith started. It's where rest began. On the seventh day, God said, can you trust me? Can you trust me? But here's where it ended. It really didn't end, but here's where the chaos came. I don't know if it was the eighth day, the ninth day, or the tenth day. I have no idea. But the serpent showed up, and he said, Basically, these words, you want to be God? And that's what the enemy has spoke to many of us, and we bought the fruit. I want to be my own God. I want to rule my own life. I want to go my own way. I want to do my own thing. So let me ask you this question. Where did that get you? And how has that outcome been? I'm not going to promise you that Staying faithfully and true to God doesn't mean that you won't have a problem because that's erroneous to this. But I will say this to you. I mean, John came out of the oil and not a scar. The three Hebrew children went into the furnace and not a smell of smoke on them. Daniel went into the lion's den and didn't have a tooth bite on his body. Peter walked on the water 
Oh my goodness. Multitudes were fed when there wasn't enough. Jesus turned water to wine. All of these things happened. It wasn't a lack that there wasn't a problem. It was the fact that those who put their trust in the Lord will endure and get through. Stand with me, would you? I shout it to you what God said for me to give to you. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to put your trust and your confidence in Him. I don't know what will happen if the bank collapses. I don't know what about your 401ks and all that. I have no clue. I'm not saying it's not good to have those things at all. But if that's where all your confidence is, then what's going to happen when it doesn't work? Where are you going to be? Where are you going to be when they give you a pink slip at work? Where are you going to be when this happens or that happens? Are you going to be your own God or are you going to say, I'm going to trust Jesus?